0: Have you looked outside the window what's happening in the market what's happening in the geopolitical landscape that's all changing so is what you're doing going to continue to be effective
1: welcome to the thinking leader brought to you by red team thinking bad leaders react good leaders plan and great leaders think each week You'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and business agility coach, Marcus Dimbleby.
2: Hello and welcome to the show. Marcus, my friend, what do you want to talk about this week?
0: Good day, sir. What do I want to talk about? Well, I had so much fun talking about bandwagon effect last time that I think we should do another bias. And just looking online and reading a lot of recruitment information this week, something occurred to me that affinity bias, I think, is having a big effect on organizations.
2: What is affinity bias? That's not one that I covered in my book.
0: What is affinity bias? I know, right? So affinity bias is where people recruit, hire, surround themselves with similar type people. So can you see the problem Mm. if we start recruiting? And again, Uh, I've done some research on this. This is the big thing the CIA had a problem with because when they first started hiring, they were going to the same schools, recruiting the same types of people, and then you literally get your drones working for you, and then you wonder why you're not getting the diversity of thought that we talk about. So, I'm sure you can see lots of problems with affinity bias.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, thought you might. Right, I mean, this is this becomes like rocket fuel for groupthink. You know, I mean, if Absolutely. everybody in the room is already approaching the problem from the same way, naturally, if everybody in the room is already looking at things through a similar lens, then, then that's like you're just jump-starting groupthink right there because people are already thinking alike. And, you know, you mentioned something that's really important, which is that we we talk a lot about is diversity of thought and how important it is. And that's why when we work with clients, we were just talking with, with folks yesterday about this. Um, when we work with clients, whenever possible, we try to help them set up really diverse teams to do a red teaming analysis of a strategy or a plan and in diverse, not just in in terms of, of race and gender, which we also do, but also age, also experience, also geography, also part of the company, also career path, also education background. And I mean, the most successful programs that we've run have had people from all over the world, have had people from all over the company. Have had junior people and senior people. Have had it's always people a winner, who have worked for competitors yeah. and people who've spent their whole life, whole career with the, with, with the client. Yeah. And that's where the that's that's where the magic happens is in True having all those it? different perspectives in the room. Of, yeah. Right.
0: True diversity. True diversity, and, and it's
2: powerful.
0: We know it. We've seen it. We see the evidence of it. And and the and the problem with affinity bias is it normally starts in the hiring process or the sort of succession planning. And I had a great conversation with someone the other day. We were saying there's a certain type of these leaders and executives today who, you know, someone said you're going to have to wait a generation till they go. And we thought about that. And, and, and the sort of outcome discussion was, that's not going to fix the problem because they are bringing up their similar types. So the A type will bring out, you know, so they are grooming for a better word, the person behind them to bring them into their position. So that, that individual who's young today becoming more mature downrange, is being mentored by that individual. So they're likely just to become a mini me into that slot. If you don't almost cut it off somewhere and reeducate them and bring them across to a different perspective, because like breeds like and that's the big problem with affinity bias so as you said recruiting for diversity is something that hr and recruitment has to get right and, and you nailed it that list of things that you said is diversity it's not just one or two tick box things that we go for that are the high visuals you've got to get that breadth and depth that gives you that diversity of thought uh, and we know that when you create a team like that wow th- the power And the decisions and the insight and the ideas that such a group not only creates from each individual, but what they spur each other on to come up with. You know, those unknown no-knowns don't stand a chance, do they? Because that group comes together and starts firing an all cylinders. And you get triggered by somebody's comment from a different part of the world and a different part of the business. And you start seeing and thinking things very differently.
2: Well, and this is a key, this is where design thinking comes from. I mean, this is a key principle of design thinking is that, is that you need to look at problems differently. And the way you do that is bring in people with different backgrounds. And I remember the very first time I heard about design thinking, I mean, I'd heard about it a little bit, but I was, I was sitting at, at, at a, at a table was working with, with a company. Um, I was working with another consultancy, um, Rose fast and Gavin McMahon's company fast forward actually back mm-hmm. in, in New York, um, this was this was like ten years ago, and um, one of the people that they brought in on a project that we were working on together was was a design thinking person. He wor- you know worked with IDEO and stuff like that, and you know during one of the breaks, I said to him, I said, I said, you know, I, I hear all this stuff about design thinking, but I don't really understand it. Tell me about it. And he said, Well, he says I'm an architect by training. I said you're an architect. We're not working on an architecture project. He's like, right. That's so right there. That's the principle of design thinking is that I, I have a different perspective on this project that we're working on because I'm an architect than you do because you're, you know, a business thought leader. You talk about leadership and strategy and stuff. And he said, let me give you an example though, from architecture. He said, if you go anywhere in the world and tell an architect to design a door, 99.99999% of them, if not 100, are going to draw you a rectangle, right?
0: Because that's what a
2: door is. It may be a big rectangle. It may be a small rectangle. It may be a rectangle on its side. It may be a vertical rectangle. But they're going to draw you a rectangle. Because that's what they're anchored to Mm -hmm. from their training as architects. Now, he said, if you go to that group and say, I've got these. I, I want to create this space between these two rooms, and I need a really interesting way to transition between this room and that room. That kind of soundproofs it and creates a, creates a division, but doesn't you know, you know, doesn't doesn't block them off entirely. A lot of people are going to still draw a door, he said, but you're going to get a lot of people who come up with something different because you now you haven't right. you haven't framed them with that that door thing. And he said, "When you, what one of the principles of design thinking is, is if you bring in people with different backgrounds who don't speak a common language, that right. opens the possibility for different interpretations. So like IDEO famously, you know, when they set people to work, I think they have four person teams and they usually have like an anthropologist, a lawyer, uh, you know, they have like different people and these people will be working on a marketing problem or on a on a on a design problem and stuff like that you know they they do all these mashups and the reason is because and an engineer is is because because all of these people have a different perspective on it and they not you know they're not going to do the work all the way from start to finish at some point the people who have the domain knowledge are going to take over but then the it you know the, the secret is in the name idio for the ideation process ideation. they want people Coming up with ideas from that aren't that that are very different, and reacting to each other's ideas, and that is the that's the opposite of affinity bias. You're purposely Correct. creating teams that have no affinity for each other.
0: I Guess it's novelty, isn't it? That's what you want. And it's very novel, powerful novel creations that are going to give you the opportunity to see how others see things differently. Because you know what what is a door what is a bicycle to me and you is a very clear thing but to someone else to come in with a completely different perspective and just blow your mind go, wow I never ever thought of that thing that way you're not going to get that with a group of you know people aligned under affinity bias because again as you said it's, it's right at the beginning it's groupthink you're just going to get an alignment of people look the same think the same speak the same and then the outcomes that you create are going to be very similar can so you take a break and after that
2: well, before we take a break, let, let me let me just share, share one example here. You know, if, if you look at um, th- this, applies not to just design issues, to strategy issues, but also to leadership styles and 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 strategic thinking at a broad level. I think back to when when Al Malali was hired as CEO of Ford Motor Company, and everybody everybody in Detroit was like, "Are you kidding me?" What does this guy know about making cars? It's an airplane He's dude. the president of Boeing. He makes airplanes. I remember that. Yeah. And I just, I could still hear the laughter of that, you know, ringing down the halls of General Motors offices, you know, when I went to talk to their senior executives about, about Ford's new CEO. And they were like, You know, this guy, what is he going to do? Is he going to put tail fins on the car? Like, oh, I know. I know Ford's going to finally have a flying car. And and they were just laughing about it. And, you know, (laughs) I remember going back and and I had it is easy pickings. And I went and I sat with Alan and I said, Alan, I said, I said, you know, I said, everyone's laughing at you in this town. And, And he said, why? And I said, because they say you don't know anything about making cars. He says, they're right. I don't know anything about about the automobile industry, but I know it doesn't work right now, <laughs> exactly. and that's all I need to know. To you know what else he knew, he knew, people. And, and and you know, and that's the thing.
0: Yeah. But,
2: right, exactly? But that's the thing is, you know, and 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 it was that ability coming with a with a clean slate with a with a perspective that he didn't have all the biases that all of these other people had grown up with. Yeah, that, that that they had, that they had just just absorbed by osmosis. This 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 is how things are done, and you can't do this. You know, one of the first things that people told him was, "Well, you can't you can't open the UAW contract until it's contract time. You can't renegotiate the contract with the union. It's not time." He said, "Why not?" He said, "He said when I was at Boeing, we renegotiated the contract after nine eleven. It wasn't time. People said we couldn't do it, but we did it." Well, this isn't nine eleven. They yeah. said, "He said same difference. We're going to go out of business if we don't renegotiate the contract. That's why we were able to do it at Boeing." And, and I mean, all these things are just you know it is but but if you if you have a team of like minded people, then it's like having those little bobblehead things on your desk. You yeah, might as well exactly. just have a bunch of bobbleheads that you hit oh, and tap no on the away. and They're all yes sir, yes sir, yeah. yes sir. You're right, sir. Yeah. We'll go take a break, but as we do, Patton said it. If everyone's thinking alike, somebody, somebody isn't thinking isn't thinking.
0: Brilliant quote.
2: Hey folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score.
0: So welcome back. I was thinking, Bryce, about what you said about all those, those poor people at GM and the previous ones at Ford who'd been indoctrinated, hadn't they, into that mindset, that myopic way of doing things and there's another bias that we talk about and that's longevity bias that dreadful we've always done it that way we couldn't possibly do that because we've always done it that way here the way we've always done yeah yeah how how dangerous is that
2: well it's incredibly dangerous and you know it's 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 you know there the, the, p- there's a distinction between status quo bias and longevity bias are are, are similar but they're not exactly the same mm-hmm. thing Um, status quo biases is is this is the way we've always done things around here. Longevity biases, things are inherently good because they've lasted. In other words, it's worked so far. So, you know, might as well keep working. And the thing is, is that it, it, yeah, is that, is that things work until they don't, right? Mm. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'll, 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 I'll give you another auto industry example. Sergio Marchionne, who was the, the CEO of, of Fiat, Ferrari, Chrysler, uh, and about 10 other companies, Case New Holland, um, You know, he was, he was an amazing leader in terms of his ability to take high-risk decisions and, and pull it off. But I got, after I got to know him, people would say, what do you think of him? And I said, well, I think he's terrifying. And I say, but look at the guy's had all these successes. You know, he just takes over one company after another, and he turns it around, and he makes these huge bets. I mean he 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 got he got the president of the United States to give him Chrysler for nothing after Chrysler went bankrupt in two thousand and eight, and people were like, it's 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 you know that that was a bad deal for him, mm-hmm. is what people said at the time because it was such a dysfunctional company. Like better to, to to not have it. And then he and then he made it profitable and stuff. But the thing is, is that when people would ask me about this, they'd say, but look at his track record. And I said, but the thing is, is he's a, he's he's a, he's like in Vegas. He's playing craps. He's going, he's making these big bets and he's shaking the dice and throwing them down the table. And he keeps coming up with, with the right numbers every time. But, but some point he won't at some point he won't at some point. It's not going to work out because it's all a gamble. Yeah. And then how big is that crash going to be? And, and, you know, what it turned out the crash was, is that he had a heart attack. And then all of these companies f- fell into problems because it was all based on him. What he wasn't doing is like what Alan was doing it for, building a leadership team, creating a diverse group of people to run the company. Um, the, the 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 longevity bias, though, so, you know, it, it, people people would say, well, you know, but it's worked. And I guess, that's more, I guess that's more like hot hand fallacy now that I think about it, which is another bias that we should talk mm-hmm. about at some point. But, but the point that I wanted to make with that is just that, that, that people will say, why should we change this? Because it's always worked. Why should we, you know, we've done this before. It's never been a problem. That's true until it isn't. And, and also, just because you've done this before and it hasn't been a problem, does that mean that it's the best way to do it? Yeah. Does that mean it's, it's still the best way to do things? And if you have a bunch of like-minded people running an organization, you're going to be doubling down on that because they're all going to think that.
0: Yeah, because who's, who's your outsider? Who's your... Shoot. Look at doubles. this. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
2: I got, I got to shut Apple's new thing off when we do podcast, Otherwise, I'm going to we get do. like all these like, you know... Uh, I
0: think it's some cool hipster fireworks. with all this uh, latest there and we greatest. Go. I feel so inadequate. I really do. But yeah, it's yeah, who's your outsider? Who's your contrarian if you're all alike thinking like alike right. and and again, longevity, well it's always worked. Well that's great, but what's changed? Have you looked outside the window? What's happening in the market? What's happening in the geopolitical landscape? That's all changing. So is what you're doing gonna to continue to be effective? Are you considering that? And most don't, and they don't realise it's not effective until it breaks. And that's the danger, isn't it? And so we were doing pre-mortem this week, those, those signposts of failure. Are you aware of when things start to go wrong rather than it's just failed? Because if you're not building in those indicators and warnings that allow you to then pivot, and you do that by having plans with optionality and devolved decision-making, if you don't mm-hmm. have that as the way you operate, if that's not your new target operating model and business modus operandi, Then you are just going to fail. You're just going to realize one day that it's not working and then it stops rather than it's beginning not to work very well and we can now pivot and adjust and adapt and be resilient as we said and talk about. It's a big problem.
2: And and this goes back to what I was talking about with with IDEO. I mean, the reason people bring IDEO in is the reason people use design thinking is because they want to try to, to do something that's radically different from how things have been done in the past. And how do you do that? You bring together a diverse team of people who don't think alike, who don't have affinity. And and I'll make it personal too. I mean, you know, the reason that I asked you if you wanted to work with me is because you're so different from me. Mm-hmm. And I saw that that we 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 saw eye to eye on a lot of things like the need for red teaming and stuff, but yeah. but you and I are polar opposites in several different key areas. Yeah. And that's a strength. Absolutely. And and why would you want someone on your team, who's just like you, unless you're really insecure and inadequate. Well, exactly. and, and, and therefore, <laughs> Hang feel a the, let's the, just
0: riff on that a moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, hmm, who could be insecure okay. and feeling inadequate in this day and age? Who could that be? People with imposter syndrome. Exactly.
2: Leaders with imposter syndrome. And that's why people do that. But, you know, it's, I, I know I, I, I've said this several times on the show, but I'll say it again. You know, I love the, the famous story about Andrew Carnegie when he was asked, you know, 100 years ago, more than 100 years ago by a newspaper reporter, what did you know about steel that no one else knew? How did you become the richest man in the world, this, this big steel baron? What did you know that no one else knew about making steel? He said, I didn't know anything about making steel. What I knew was to surround myself with people who knew more than I did in areas that I didn't know. So uh, he you know he knew he he didn't try to surround himself with people like Andrew Carnegie he's trying to surround himself by people who were different than him who had different knowledge than he did who had different experiences and then he listened to them that's the other thing it doesn't do much good to create a diverse team and create diversity of thought if nobody's listening to what what people say oh no inclusion so you know this is this is this is the secret that a lot of really great leaders in the world have figured out is to surround themselves with people who think differently from themselves, who challenge them. And you know, it's, 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 you have to ask yourself, what benefit is there in a bunch of people sitting in a room who all think the same? What possible benefit is there in that?
0: Unless you're, you your know, ego. unless you're
2: talking about, you know, yeah. Or unless you're talking about, you know, your taste in movies or something like that, you know, and how much you love the same movies, I guess. But, you know, (laughs) I mean, in terms of business, in terms of government, in terms of military, in terms of any other area of human endeavor where decision making and strategy come into play, you want different voices. You want different perspectives. You want people who can see what you don't see. I mean, that's like a superpower, right? Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to be able to see what they're missing?
0: Thomas Schelling did it. It's a beautiful quote we we love, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how educated you are, how knowledgeable you are, how good looking you are, whatever. There are certain things that you will never, ever see. Um, And we saw that again in the class this week with with the students on pre-mortem. You get 15 people in a breakout room. You give them a task and then you turn it into private mode. Full anonymity. And it all goes dark and they all capture everything. And then they reveal. And one of the first questions I ask people is, okay, take a look at everything you're seeing. Is there anything on there that just did not occur to you at all and never, ever would? And there's always nodding heads. Right. Always. Because what's that great proverb? None of us is as smart as all of us.
2: And we see that all the time. So, folks, don't get people who think like you, who look like you, who act like you on your team. If you're building a team, get people who challenge you. It's as simple as that. People who will ask the tough questions, who will see what you don't.
1: Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there. You'll also find a link to our free assessment. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.